Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Brewits. This is Matt here this week. Emily has a case of the sniffles, so she's a little under the weather, but she'll be back next week. Let's focus on uh, this week. So uh, we have Ipswich Ale this week. Uh, I'm really, really excited for this interview. It was a lot of fun to do, and God, were they hospitable as, as hell, like basically laid out the mat and uh really really good conversations and i think there's um some room for like some future stuff to do as well um uh, you'll you'll listen to the interview and uh you'll hear what uh, tj and jim have to say but i think we're gonna start doing some um you know like you know pull back the curtain behind the beer industry uh type of interviews and stuff like that and uh maybe a little bit of a case study on that so uh we're not going to do the fun fact. We're not going to do the beer history this week. We're just going to get right to the interview because it's a little bit longer, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Shake and bake. <laughs> All right, guys, you are here for another episode of Brew Roots, and I am five miles away from my house, which is, like, the closest interview, which is even even better. So I can get drunk and call my brother and pick me up? Oh, I don't know. That's phenomenal. Yes, but I am here with TJ and Jim. What up? What's Hello? going on? How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Getting there, getting there. Yeah, we're enjoying a beer right now. What are we What are we drinking first and foremost? So you are drinking our Chucktoberfest, which is one of our most acclaimed beers right now. It's very limited release in the city of Boston. We won two years ago. There's a competition where you had to brew using the Charles River water. Mind you, there's no Charles River water in that one. But we won first place. We made an Oktoberfest, took yep. first, hence the name Chucktoberfest. And uh, we're rolling it with this year. It's in a 16-ounce can all over Massachusetts. And it's pretty hard to find. I've had a hard time finding it. Yeah, well, limited release. It's in and it's out. You want to get it yep. on draft, you go One to batch. Miracle Science, man, <laughs> right down by the Charles River. They get it on draft always right now. And if that wasn't a clue to the brewery we are at, we are at? Oh, the Ipswich Ale Brewery. Thank you. Right here in downtown yeah. Ipswich, Massachusetts. Third oldest brewery in the state. <laughs> and uh, we're shaking things up, man. Like uh, the last two years, I think we can say we're really shaking and baking. Like staying with the times, mixing it up a little bit, giving the people what they want. New liquid to say competitive. I mean, I think everybody knows this market right now. So yep. we're going there. Excellent. All right. So we know who you guys are. Uh, tell us your roles here at Ipswich Ale and your first memory of beer. Uh, I'm the um, operations manager here, Ipswich Ale. I've been here uh, for over 19 years now. I was head brewer for the 10 first years here, and then I've been nine years in this position. Uh, it's hard to say my first memory of beer. It has, you know, uh, it's got to be high school. I, my, my father rarely ever had beer in the house at all. So, uh, so it was like uh, playing pinochle and drinking maybe, uh, you know, Shiner Bach or something along those lines. Because I, I, I moved here from, uh, from Austin. Excellent, yeah. You know. So. You can get Shiner Bach up here sometimes. You can. Yeah. yeah. It's not quite the same as it just uh, came to the state <laughs> a couple years ago. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But uh, for me, it's hard to say my first memory of beer. My parents don't drink, and that's the ironic fact of, like, my life. But um, I think for me, beer was, like, uh, college and that. And uh, 
my first gift was a homebrew set and at that time like the beer of choice was like pete's wicked was the first craft but growing up on the north shore like we had buddies who was selling growlers of boop switch out of the back of his trunk for like five bucks a pop man like you know we we're drinking this liquid and that's good new england home like old school craft beer is Ipswich. so for me yeah. it's my backyard it's fun mm-hmm. being so, here so uh did you guys you know when you were five or six and your parents said hey what do you want to be when you grow up you guys didn't say you want to be in the brewing industry what did you what did you say i said i wanted to be a paleontologist <laughs> so does my four-year-old miles <laughs> right now I have no idea. My father, I uh, remember trying to talk me to, uh, into going into business when I entered uh, University of Texas. And I ended up uh, changing that to computer science and then finally uh, flopped around to uh, sociology. But, uh, but I think that was where I thought I was going. And then um, I, I, the, the laws changed in Texas where they were allowed to actually have brew pubs before you weren't allowed to make a beer and sell it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the brew pub law changed. I was, you know, I was a, I was a beer buyer. I was working at Motorola. Um, I was at this Wheatsville Food Co-op, uh, the best beer selection at the time, you know, back in the 80s. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I, did, I was just like, you know what? I was working at Motorola the whole time. Uh, I was a data analyst there, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a voluntary uh, uh, leave. A um, and uh, they had a nice, uh, nice package, and I used that to go to Siebel Brewing School. And uh, I remember telling my, you know, my parents, "Hey, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm quitting Motorola. I'm going to brewing school." And uh, now my mother was uh, not very impressed. <laughs> what was your entry to the brewing world? Well, for me, uh, I mentioned on it a second ago. I, I, I got a homebrew kit from. Uh, a girlfriend at the time and that was like 2002 no interest in it random christmas present and just hit it hard it was uh making beers i was at franklin pierce new hampshire living living in the shire i was up in uh jaffrica jaffrey new hampshire and uh happened to decide to just quit everything and move across the country it took seven weeks to do it hitting some beers on the way which is kind of funny because now all these beers are massive that we saw along the way but ended up in Oregon Mm -hmm. and uh, drove in first time we drove in pulled in at about 11 o'clock at night there was a homebrew store there and that's Corvallis Oregon beautiful town and uh, I was like I'm ready to drop and you know Oregon State's there and that's where she wanted to be so for for us it was like all right let's roll and so and so happened I rolled into uh, Oregon Trail Brewery in a certain circumstance where it's like back in the day everybody be like hey how do you get a job in the brewing industry you you say you roll into a brewery and say I can work for free and that's how you get a job, man, real quick. Yeah, clean and switch kids. started out with a lot of people we called groupies. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Groupies were people that came in and, and worked yeah. just for beer, for beer on their way yeah. out the door. So I, I started doing that, and Dave Wills, like, he's a bit of a legend in the beer industry. He's been doing it for a long time. He also owns FreshHops.com. 
he was the first guy ever to vacuum seal hops. So I got a job working at his brewery and in his hop field. So it was dynamite, man. For me, nice. it was a piece of cake. And uh, then they were like, hey, does anybody know how to sell stuff? And I was like, I got a degree in it. Let's roll. <laughs> so you also were on the Bering Sea, if that's correct. It's true. Yeah. So you were so in Alaska, <laughs> a fisherman for a little while. Yeah. Like um, I'm from Pigeon Cove, which is Rockport, Mass, which is the, the backside of the island that Gloucester is. So that island for me is where I live now. But like fishing's always been a major part. But it's ironic that I did all my fishing out in Dutch Harbor. And uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd brew in the summers, work the harvest, and then I'd leave, I'd leave right around now, Halloween. And I wouldn't come home until April Fool's Day. And I'll tell you, man, like uh, we are, lo- we're killing our catch. So, you know, we're the guys who didn't get a show. Like, uh, like deadliest catch. The deadliest catch is crab. So they catch crab and they catch long line cod, which is the most eco, eco-friendly way of fishing, mind you. But we're slaughtering those things, man. And uh, out there, long days, you know, uh, 40 days at a time, 18 hour shifts guaranteed. Sometimes your biggest shift was 56 hours straight. Like, uh, I worked my way up to foreman the first year, and so I was the boss. And there were times it was, uh, it's a rough scene out there, man. Like, uh, you're talking 50 foot waves at times. Like, uh, some of the roughest things you've ever seen. But I'd come back home to sweet Pacific Northwest, drink some badass beers can't wait to go visit the east coast you know drink some ipswich and uh it was um it's a game changer and experience like uh it, it it makes you a person it makes you i won't say a man but it, it makes you a, a decision maker real quick because the term fisher cut bait has never been defined more clearly than that yeah all right, so talk about your brew life before Ipswich. Uh, did you work in any other breweries, or uh, I, where did you I cut was, your um, yeah, I, I was brewing beer at home. I ended up, uh, uh, I was taking Dutch, which is a funny story in uh, UT, but I ended up, uh, we formed a Dutch club where we can just sit down and drink lots of Dutch beers, and of course we also drink a lot of Belgian beers. But so, so I really got turned on to that stuff. And so I, I, I was also working at Motorola some part-time then, but I, I, I took a position at the a food co-op where I was uh, cashiering on the side, and uh, because I was home brewing, they needed somebody to take over the homebrew supplies. So pretty soon, I was buying homebrew supplies. I was I was teaching home brewing. Anybody that had a question, I'd be there. Uh, then I became the beer buyer as well as that. So I was I was supplying all this great beer. And back then, I mean, I remember Sierra Nevada coming in for the first time and. Um, a boulder was another one. He mentioned Pete's Wicked. I remember that coming by. But it, it, I think European beer was really big back then. Mm. But this, these new guys were coming out. This beer was fantastic. So it's like that. That's where I really got the bug. Was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. So like I said, when that law changed on uh, uh, brew pubs, I started working at the, uh, the Bitter End, and it was fantastic. Just loved it, and I just had to like. Leaving here, I'm gonna to get to get my brewing education and then uh, start brewer. So I came here. Yep. And so this is this is the 
yeah. where you you've kind of laid your hat for 19 years. Yeah, exactly. I I, I came out here after working at, at the Bitter End for a while, and uh, after Siebel, I got an internship out at Pyramid Brewing, um, out in the Bay Area. Um, came back. I knew there wasn't much in Texas. Cellus was closing down. It was being taken over by the Budweiser distribution. Kind of screwed them out of a deal. Uh, so things tended to start slowing down in Texas. So I. Uh, we decided let's let's move somewhere near the ocean, but in a small town. And this position came open at uh, in Ipswich. I flew up here, interviewed, loved it, loved the beer because I went to a lot of different breweries and applying, and it was just like some of the beer was just awful. But uh, I was I tasted it at the Choke Bridge Pub here, yep. my first taste ever, right before going into the interview. I said, okay, this is good. I'm going to go ahead and go with this. So, uh, and I was offered the head brewer position. So, excellent. Uh, it was in '99. How many of those breweries that you interviewed at? Yes, are still around. Uh, you know what? One position I think I kind of kicked myself the most at, but not really. But it, it was uh, Lagunitas offered me a position, and I was there. And they were in their old brewery, and it, it was just a shit show. I mean, there wasn't a single matching tank, nothing. It was so, and there was mold growing all in the back of this. They had Jim, like a what year was that, too? This like, was 98. Yeah, see, so, we got to drop some years yeah. on these people because <laughs> yeah. they don't know what we're talking is old. Yeah, so I, I, you know, but they took me out to this one place where they had all this concrete poured, this great big slab, and said, this is going to be the new brewery. Yeah. Okay. And they're like, uh, they offered me a job. It was like, 10 bucks an hour and I was like ah. I, had a fa- I had a wife and one child at the time and it was just like I, I can't I don't think I can live in Petaluma for 10 yeah. bucks an hour you know what I mean I can't I can't really do that and a couple a couple off- other offers I got in the Pacific Northwest as you catch me this is where I was looking because right. I was like if I'm going to leave Texas this is where I'm going to go and it was always the same it was 10 bucks uh, Mendocino they, they recommended there was a trailer nearby I could rent or something <laughs> from them, you know, that I could live in for a while. It's just like, ah, yeah. I don't know. And here they they offered me, a, you know, the head position, the head brewer, and uh, uh, Paul Silva and Jim Beauvais, who started the company in 91, yeah. um, Paul had a place out on, um, he still, uh, he lives in Rockport, but he had a place in Rockport on the water. It's gorgeous. And he's like, live with me, you know, upstairs, you can, um, until you find a place to live. You know, I found a place to live, called my wife, said, okay, uh, I, we, we've got a place that's come on and out. Because I was, you know, I was here for a few months before they could join me. Incredible. Yeah. Roll yourself. Jim, I love you. <laughs> me and Jim go way back, too. We have to yeah. say that before. Like, other breweries I've worked for, like me and this man. We had a blast had together over the battles years. battles over the years. That's <laughs> we knew why I was knew like, we were connected through the whole brewing yeah. industry, you know? But Like, yeah. first off and foremost is, like, this brewery is the third oldest in the state. Mm-hmm. That's the chink yes. of the glasses. Uh-huh. Uh, you got Sam Adams and Harpoon and then us, so let's get serious. <laughs> but, so, for me, you heard part of my story. I moved to Oregon, worked at Oregon Trail for a while, and it was awesome because it was hands-on everything. I was in hop fields, digging those things up, making beer, selling beer, having a blast, making pretty good money, you know. You. And uh, Oregon was also the second most unemployed state, so I was collecting mass wages. I'm not going to lie, man. That's how I walked <laughs> into that brew and was like, yo, I'll work for free. <laughs> and uh, 
and then I'd, I'd fish in the winter. I'd come home and brew in the summer. And then uh, I heard about this brewery on the East Coast. Well, my mom would always call and she'd be like, there's this brewery in Rockport in Gloucester called Fisherman's and they're opening up. So uh, I went home and visited and uh, hung out. I had a good time out in Oregon for about four or five years out there and uh, decided I'd settle home and I started working uh, for Cape Ann Brewing Company, which is uh, Fisherman's, and we helped start those boys up. I mean, what better thing than an ex-Dutch Harbor Fisherman selling Fisherman's? So we were always the guys in the bibs. It was like Tom Ryan, my buddy Dylan, he's the head brewer still over there. Whole bunch of us, Walt Bunton, my wife, Kate Lynch. We had a crew, it was amazing. And, um, but it's a career. And so from there I moved on at times. Like I built them up as far as we could go. And unfortunately it was time to move on to other things. Cause like, I got ideas and uh, I like to use them. And if they're not being used and you're not being used, it's time to move, man. And uh, so I jumped ship, worked for Wachusett for a while, gave them a bunch of ideas, learned a lot about bigger industry and how big industry works. And uh, look, like to all our home brewers out there, it's all gravy but it's also about making money. It's called a business, you know, that's why they call it that, you know, gotta make that money and you gotta figure out how to do it. But, you know, there's avenues in between how to do it the right way and based on what business you're working for. So I worked for those guys for a bit and then came over to Ipswich. I've worked for over five, I think five different breweries I've worked for Vintners. I worked out for uh, a couple Vintners out in Willamette Valley, Oregon. I mean, every avenue of fermentation I've worked for, but also hands-on. But I'm also the guy who sells it because I don't trust anybody except myself to sell the goods. And uh, my accounts, if they're listening, they know me. Like, I get the job done. Like. I'm not just the guy out there shaking and baking and trying to sell you something because I need to. Like, I, we know how to make it. We know the process. I know what's going on. And uh, we're going to bring you the goods the right way. And so you're not just a blind face. You absolutely. Know. Yeah. Like, it's always been that way with me. Like, hands-on, in your face. Any questions you want to know about it, I got your answer. If not, I'm going to bullshit because I'm a salesman. <laughs> But he does no. well. He doesn't yeah. have much of a personality, but he still seems to. Yeah. <laughs> but our promos, like, I don't need a mic, man. We'll get right up in there loud, quick, and rock your face. And um, to be perfectly honest, like, working for Ipswich is, I didn't see it. Like, if you had asked me five years ago if I'd be working here, I'd be like, you're out of your goddamn mind, man. And, uh... What we're doing here within the last two years, we're really taking this, we're taking this thing for a ride, man. Mm. And it's fun, we got some talented people, and uh, we're going. So I've definitely seen a shift, like you said, in the last two years. Can you, what can you attribute that to? Is that, you know, you need to adapt or? or? 
slowly go away. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot, a lot of it is adaptation, where you have to, uh, you, you kind of roll along and you follow the trends. Because yeah. I remember degree, just the, the Ipswich know? Ale and the Stout yep. being available for the longest time, and then yep. a couple just being thrown in, and within the last... Right, yeah, I remember we were doing a Nut Brown, yep, um, Nut Brown yep. uh, the Porter, which yep. came back every fall, uh, the, our original IPA. Uh, we're still brewing those today, so those haven't changed except uh, we lost the Nut Brown uh, and the ESB and the Porter. Uh, but the Porter's coming back. We're talking about uh, brewing that up, and I'm, I'm so looking forward sexy, to it. Because, sexy. Uh, oh, yeah. Cause one Porter I really admire is Mayflower, and, and, and uh, a great Porter is good to have. And, and ours was so chocolatey. It was so delicious that uh, it's like we got it. So we went to the archives. Uh, <laughs> back when I was brewing it, went to the recipes, and that's is it. This is what we're doing, and uh, from there we're gonna, uh, we'll get that going soon. But we got, uh, you know, but we got 15 on tap here. But we're able to produce, uh, you know, some of the, the New England IPA, a few of those styles, and kind of bring those that re relevancy there, but still offering the uh, the old ones. Because it's amazing how we get a, that mix of people in here. Uh, we had a group of these six guys that would come in here just to drink the original IPA. Yeah, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah. What are they doing? I don't know. They, uh, how would you like to try this, uh, you know, the 101? No, no, no. We just want the, uh, the original. How are you guys staying, I hate the word relevant, but how are you staying relevant in the, in, the, in the vein that we have the Trilliums, we have the Treehouses who are brewing these, you know, one-offs, two-offs, you know. Yeah. Um, and you guys have your standbys, right? You know, people know the beer, but yeah. you're offering different items is it harder to do that or is it's, it i think it's harder for us to pull something like that off in no. a way um we're just we're not this young company that's just you know uh, you know throwing shit out there to see what sticks right you know what i mean um you we're you know it, we've been around a long time and in some ways that could be a curse in today's market is that oh well they've been yeah. around forever so uh so d to some degree or you know you're trying to uh you know, branch out there, brew what's what's being done out there, and do do it really well. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and to Jim's point, it's like I think these two questions kind of clash together. It's like what we had before is something you have to think about. Like for me, I came on board not even two years ago to shake it up, and I got hired. And the main reason was we got a canning line. Yeah. You got to be got to be consistent yep, yep. with what's going on and that canning line came in and i was like all right if that canning line's coming in it's time to shake it up boys like what are we going to throw to the market right. can't be the oatmeal stout can't be the original stuff like god bless our local drinkers here we're always going to take care of home <laughs> because home for me is here right and that's what i love but my ear has been to this market for a long time. Like I've covered Virginia to Maine, I've done it all. We see what's happening, what we see what's sharp and the new thing on the market. And you know, whether the local guys like it or not, we still have to make it because we have to take care of where the rock hits the pond, man. And that's always your sales model. Where the rock hits the pond, you follow your ripples and you follow it. And for us, we have to shake and bake up in the city. Boston's a prime place, and it's, it's been a great couple years for local breweries. All these guys starting up, that's fine, but for local breweries, so many bars want to pour it's local, so you have to think of what you What's want. What's the local taste? And I think people yeah. are starting to head back a little veer towards uh, the more traditional styles now. So who's, 
Absolutely. So I think it helps to have some knowledge behind that instead of, you know, oh, yeah, we're just throwing so many tons of we these. We want the uh, haziest hops, IPA. Haziest IPA, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we struggled for yeah. a long time. At first, we started out, one of, the, we, one of our first newspaper articles on Ipswich in 1991 was, the future looks cloudy. And it's so funny thinking about that headline because, yeah. wow. <laughs> wow, I know. Because we yeah. our beer was pretty cloudy. But bar we, 16, we worked over the years to try and yeah. clarify it. You know what I mean? I get, fi yeah. I get five phone yeah. calls. If our 1620 was pouring places, yeah. I'd get five phone yeah, calls in a can. Yeah. because it's it's cloudy. And yeah. now it's like, if it's not cloudy, cloudy you get exactly. phone calls. Cloudy, exactly. So it, yep. we're, yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But we, we worked hard to keep it longer, uh, bring it a little longer so the, the yeast would settle out a little better without ever filtering it because yep. we wanted yeah. to maintain that unfiltered uh, presence. But at times, people are just like, oh, it's too cloudy, or now now it's not cloudy enough. So it, it's a hard battle. But I think um, I think we're in, in a good position to provide a, a classic brown ale or perhaps a pilsner or a porter or some of the some of the beers that I think people are going to start looking for and, you know, to return to that um, some of the young kids probably don't really... It, it's hard to brew. The, the, the flavor there is so delicate you know it can, it, you can't throw it out of whack too much and to know? jim's point like when i came on board our stout is one of the number one selling stouts around it's, and it's well, because it's dynamite like we're very good at our dark traditional beers we're really good at the balance and that's the key the sweetness the coffee the burnt taste everything's money and who's, the, so, who's the head brewer right now? Uh, John Aiken. John Aiken. Yeah. Just want to give John and Aiken his. John Aiken oh, yeah. is yeah, the yeah. guy who came up with the 1620 right off the bat. And that beer has been the beer that's kind of forefronted our new movement with 16-ounce cans and all that. But down the line, you're going to see more 16-ounce cans coming from us with uh, quick releases based on what's popular or what we think might be popular. But the competition right now in the industry is uh, a lot. A lot of new breweries are starting, and that's fine. And they're all awesome. Competition breeds good, good beers. And uh, so it's just going to keep us on our toes. But some of our releases you're going to see are going to be quick 16-ouncers, like real fast. And... Uh, some of those might become staples, but we're going to bring back some old classics, too, for our local guys up here. Like, we're never going to forget about our local Merrimack Valley people who consume our beer. They won't be forgotten. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. That's good to hear, because I think a lot of breweries, they just want to sell what's the flavor of the month. And then they sometimes lose that, uh, that cornerstone market. Speaking of cornerstones, what is the beer that Ipswich Ale is most known for if you were to pull the room right now what is everyone drinking oh man or anyway you know which uh, ones i mean you're you're in bar you're in bar rooms you're in the oatmeal stores. stout's always been the highest rate and the most you know revered uh beer of ours but original ale seems to be you know again it's you know i don't know i'm going with this well <laughs> i think you're correct i mean locally here that's what people drink and and the when 101 really took off, our, which, which yeah. is a West Coast-style IPA yeah. of ours. Yeah. That really took off, and it's done really well and always has. So, I, I look, it, so that's, got, that, that's just does its own thing. I think it's priced really well for what it is. And, uh, I, boy, I can tell you, that's really 
top notch. I, the, the main beer I drink here is only available, you know, in the tap room. The tap room. Yeah. We call it Trailblazer. It's an American pale ale. I like that. I like those thin-bodied, like, you know, drier, you know, uh, pale ales like this one. And I, I, I just yeah. that's what I'm. I'm drinking all the time when I come down here. They always well, know think, it to bore me. I think a lot of people don't even know. We have 15 beers on draft here constantly that you can try. And some are the old guys, some are the old school. We haven't switched them up, but they've cleaned yep. up a bunch. The new facility we're sitting in is gorgeous. I mean, we have a chem lab, everything. We're a contract brewery, like... We brew a lot of beer. A lot of volume goes out of this place. So even our old classics have cleaned up a bunch. But what we're doing now is shaking and baking for the outside market, including our own. And, uh, you know, New England IPA is the fad. And people who doubt that, they're wrong. Like, I got friends who were down in Brazil and sent me pictures of breweries in Brazil making New England IPA. Like, it's there. It's real. Like all my old brewer friends out on the West Coast, it's about it's about goddamn time. I'm like, how's your East Coast IPA coming, bitches? Like it's go time. Like finally, we're getting some clout, yep. you know. And um, and that's our 1620, that, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And our 1620 came out the gate. We didn't know how it was gonna roll, but we rolled with it, and it was a big hit. So we're sticking with it, and uh. Look, I'm an IPA guy through and through, grow my own hops, and that beer, the balance is delicious. Cloudiness or all that or whatnot, who cares? Close your eyes, drink the beer, and just tell me how it tastes. And um, I love that beer yep. to death. I mean, our 1A, our double IPA used to be my favorite, low ABV for a double, just hanging around 8%. But it's, uh, it's about staying consistent in the market and your question, you know, our market is Massachusetts and Boston is one of the most competitive markets that exists. So to stay competitive there, you know, our sour program has really developed. We're putting those in cans. We're just about to release. All of our sours are named after a famous musician. Yep. So we had the Cranberry Beret. Prince reference. Yeah. And then uh, we had the Bramble on Zed led zeppelin but you know that one didn't fly so well because we didn't have musicians on the can and you got five seconds to grab your consumer mm -hmm. you know this is where the sales side of it comes in yeah, the uh the prince can not to interrupt the prince can was for us people wanted to trade that so bad just because prince was yeah, on we, it, right we were, you know they didn't know how it we tasted we were getting right? calls from all over the country get it while you can send yeah. beers it's just like no we, we're not get it while you we can. can't ship beer can't around ship beer. they're like well can you just send me an empty can yeah. <laughs> i don't think so and we ship uh <laughs> we ship this friday our bohemian raspberry which is a shout out to freddie mercury that's been on the back burner for a while and oh, then we saw the fantastic we saw the movie pre preview and it was like it's go time we yeah. gotta get these cans out now so can art's awesome who does the oh, can art even the 1620 oh, all is every gorgeous. yes every artwork every label well, whether like it's the, the ones old school ones or the brand new ones it's all alan pearsall um he's a beast yeah. he's a beast and everything that's what he, he does. does is gold yeah so he's like worked gold. with us since uh 99 
And, uh, yeah. Jim, you're on a lot of the cans as well. He, no, you know, I'm not so much on the cans no, as the, the artwork in here in the, yeah. in the pub because Alan likes to use my face for some reason in there. <laughs> I was it's like dynamite. He's man. like, you know, I think I want to do this. Uh, I think we came out with a uh, another uh, IPA, a double IPA called the uh, Double Take, and uh, I said, I really, I was like, okay, I think that's enough saturation of my face. But he showed up with this label here with the uh, the the girls from The Shining, and I I just laughed my ass off. I was <laughs> like, okay, okay, one more. Yes. <laughs> That's good. But it's, it's hilarious. It's always staying one step up front of, in front of the other person. And um, that's where, like, we our war room upstairs, which Jim is part of, we all sit in there and we think about how are we going to make the next move? What's the next big thing? And, um, and we artwork. Got, oh, we pour over artwork yeah, every we day. We got good stuff in <laughs> store for you guys. It's, like, a, it's, uh, a, lot of, it's a lot of work. and. You we know. honestly think the way to win this industry is like uh, you just got to stay fast, keep quick 16 ounce cans rocking out. If anybody listens to this, they should take out their notebooks. But like that's the idea is like quickly 16 ounce releases. The day of the 12 pack, unfortunately, is coming to its end. Your bodegas and your smaller stores, including your big stores, but the big stores will be the first guy to tell you that 12 pack sales are way down. So it's like taking all these numbers and this stuff, this is the boring stuff nobody wants to hear. They just want to hear about beer, but sales and that is part of the business. You can open up any brewery, but if you don't know how to sell the product, you ain't gonna make the it. The product's gotta be good. Yeah, but the thing it is, is you good. guys are selling a four pack yep. at a very affordable price and giving exactly. a quality product and i have to applaud you on that because i've thank spent you. twenty dollars on a four pack that i yeah. want to pour down the drain but yeah on principle <laughs> i will not <laughs> thank you we've yes. always driven for that yeah. for just uh, you know i don't know and I, I think a lot and of maybe, our listeners yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's that, a yeah. mistake or not if Absolutely. people may perceive it oh well it's not 20 bucks so I, maybe it's not very good and maybe that's something we yeah, could change. I, yeah. I think the people <laughs> don't want to. I mean, my opinion is the people who are willing to spend the twenty dollars on a four pack have been burnt a yeah. couple times, yeah. so they're like, "Well, yeah. well it may not last the, long." You don't have to stand in a line at Ipswich Ale Brewery mm-hmm. to get your beers. Yeah, and the beers are always going to be here, and they're going to be the same, and some new ones. But you don't have to wait in line and trade or barter. You can just go get them. There you go. Because that's what we've done for years. So unless you want to. You know, the cranberry beret, you know. Yes. <laughs> the, then, uh, you know, we sent yeah. a couple just because it was. Yeah. yeah, Bohemian Raspberry is probably a one-shot deal. So what's out there is what's out there. And what's on draft here will be available till we uh, run out of that batch. I don't see us doing it again, but maybe. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, do you have your hands in the brewing process anymore here? Or are you completely removed from it? I'm mostly removed from it these days. I'm, I'm pretty busy up there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You dabble in the cask beer, though. That oh, is without true. a doubt, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the cask. I, I kind of kept the cask project alive here. Good. It's like, we got to have a cask here. We just got to. So every single Thursday. Ladies you know, and gents, I, every beer, Thursday. <laughs> it seems like I'm the only one that can do it. So it's kind of like, okay, every Thursday I've got to tap into another cask. But our cellarmen down there have been doing a great job of just, like, 
oh, let's add lime zest to this cask <laughs> or, you know, cocoa nibs to this one or, you know what I mean? So uh, they've been doing a great job of bringing, you know, making sure we maintain a good uh, cask program. The brew pub here. Mm-hmm. And people, as you can probably have heard through the, you know, 30 what minutes we've been talking, we are in a brew pub right here. And I wish this place was here when I was 21. Uh, this has been here, what, two and a half years, three years? Yeah, yeah, about three years. Three years, yeah. Uh, can we talk about the success that you guys have had here? It is always busy. We're here on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Very well, Jim, seldom. Jim, for, yeah. why don't you break it down? Like, it took about eight years to build this place out. Because you always weren't in this location. Correct? No, we were just down the road. Right. We yeah. almost moved out moved out of Ipswich into Rowley. Ooh, that would have been awesome. like within, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think with probably 20 feet from the uh, town line. Okay, yeah. But they had no sewer, and uh, I've known a couple breweries that have closed down once they were hauling their stuff out because they, you know, all the, you know, waste water has to be hauled away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't going to happen. So we ended up moving into the, where the uh, the clam strip was invented, was right here in Ipswich. Uh, not a, I don't know if that's most... Uh, People who eat clams want the whole belly clams in this area. So, it, you know, very few people in Ipswich anyway order the, uh, the, uh, the, the you know, the or order the clam strips. Yeah, strips, yeah. Yeah, which isn't even an Ipswich clam. It's a deep sea clam. It's a little bit further out there. So, uh, but anyway, it was invented there. So if you went to Howard Johnson's when you were a kid like I was. Hotels, <laughs> you before got these, the hotels. You got the clam strips. And so, uh, anyway, we moved into this facility and it, it we... We got the rest. We got the brewery going first, and once we had time, we had this one space saved for the restaurant. We finally got this going and uh, came up with our tap mobile look with the uh, the tap here. And you, yeah, uh, I see the that running up 133 all the time. Tap mobiles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we How came many out with the idea. We, we have four. Yep. They're all from one's from 1949, two are from 1951, and one's 1967. They're very distinct. White and red. Yeah, right. yeah. So white and red. Yep. From four taps to uh, eight taps. And we do weddings and private parties, and we've grown. It started out with just one, but we've got four now. And uh, we've got a fifth one actually inside the pub itself, which serves beer out of it. So, uh, And we came up with uh, 15 taps is what it fits, so we try and maintain uh, all these different varieties of beer going on it. You know, But it's done really well here. So, And the pickle wings are amazing if you like chicken wings. <laughs> oh, yeah, the food. Uh, Pickle wings. We're the only place that does it. If you don't know what I mean, come over here and check it out. Pickle wings. Yeah. Anyway, but it's done well here. What is the what's the address for this for this location right here? It's two brewery place. It was two Sovereign Lane, but uh, we had the town uh, agree to the uh, the uh, change of the uh, the street name to Brewery Place. Or get on the train at North Station and yeah, get oh yeah. off at the Ipswich stop on the New Rayport line and away. walk. Yeah, it's yep. not too far. No, not at all. Alright, let's talk a little bit about you guys. What's at home? What's in your fridge at home? Beer Interesting wise. question. Like For me, like uh, the days of me drinking like I used to, my beer cellar I've sold off for charity, all that stuff, like I'm an old school beer guy, and now all I need is a couple IPAs at the moment. And uh, to be honest, every now and then a couple a couple beers end up in my fridge from another brewery. But to be perfectly honest, like it's just dip switch because uh, I've been doing this a long time, and 
I like to test other things, but to be perfectly honest, yeah. Yeah. 1620 better be in my fridge every day or my wife will be pissed <laughs> off. My wife's an IPA drinker, so I, I landed a big one there, man. Yeah. She, she's oh. a keeper. If, you, if your lady drinks IPA, she's a keeper. That's what they used to say, but now IPAs everybody drinks. Yeah, I was... Uh, uh, I just got off of a, we we did a whole 30 diet just recently so I got off that so the my beer fridge is pretty empty right now pretty empty right now because <laughs> I couldn't I, w- I wasn't even allowed to have a single drop of alcohol for oh, 30 Jesus, days yeah. so it was crazy anyway but what's in there now is I I recently uh, threw in some uh, 1620 and a few 101 so uh, that's what I've got going right now so Good. currently do we have a guilty pleasure beer uh, I'm a champagne guy, through and through. Oh, when it goes to the cheap room, all the time. Yeah. What is I, it? I'm a Miller High Life so man. The champagne beer. Yep. The champagne. Like my wife knows, I've been threatening for years for Halloween. I will be the moon and she'll be the girl, and we'll just pose as much as possible. Where she's I'll just sitting a, on me. You know, at the local Chinese restaurant, once in a while, I just you know, I'll. I'll I'll go ahead and grab a, a Gansett, a 16-ounce Gansett. It's just like, this is, this is so good. It, <laughs> if Miller would hire me, a million grandfathers yeah. can't be wrong. Yeah. yeah. Is the slogan they need for the champagne. Yeah. That's trademark. cold Coors right? Banquet. Yeah. <laughs> trademark, TJ Peckham. Yes. All right. So um, let's talk about the future. You said you didn't see yourself here in, you know, two years ago, five years from now. What do you see? for Ipswich five years from now? I see a lot. I, like, um, I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited what they've put in front of me and delivered, to be perfectly honest. Like, um, when I came on board, it was all hearsay and talk, and so far, we're walking it, man, and I love it. And my relationships, and that's what sales is all about, they're all behind us because everything I say is happening and uh, so far I'm loving what's happening the way the future is going to be is just uh, for us quick releases just enough to sprinkle the market just enough for your distributor to not bitch at you and just enough to disappear real quick and if any of those stick and people are like, we want more, you keep that in mind for next year. Mm-hmm. And that's how you roll. And you do it fast. 16-ounce releases. Like I said, if anybody in sales is taking notes right now, write this shit down. Because that's how <laughs> it's going to work, man. The day of the 12-pack, unfortunately, is gone. And what I mean by that is a 12-pack is two purchases you know two items to move one package of a case that's a beautiful sale the day of the bombers the 22 ounce bottles we all remember that oh we did they're great the dust collectors yeah Yeah, get rid of your dust you don't have to dust that thing off anymore 12 items to move one case that's a horrible concept Mm -hmm. the four packs are okay because they're interchangeable and that's what the person wants and they're 12 ounce 16 ounce cans like that's not going anywhere Mm -hmm. that's gonna stick for a while they fit they're making you're likely to take a chance on four rather than absolutely absolutely you know and uh that's how we're gonna roll 
The problem with sales, the problem with business is you always have to beat yourself. It doesn't matter if we're talking about gummy bears or beer. You always have to beat yourself. And that's a hard job. That's a hard job to do. Like, as good as I do this year, I have to kick my ass next year. And the way you do that, you come up with new products and quick releases, and you beat yourself each year with something new. And if something sticks, like 1620, then you shake and bake again and make that shit again. And that's how you roll. It's safe to say 1620 is probably staying around, right? Sticking around for a absolutely. while. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, the last question for the evening is, what are you most proud of? Mm. That is an open-ended question. That open is. That is. That is. Uh, I think I'm. I. I don't know. I. I'm proud that I've been here, at this one company for 19 years. But the fact that I. I just like the fact that I. I started here as head brewer, but I was there was only a couple employees here. It was me. I was the first one hired. Uh, at this one point, it wasn't period in the in the brewery history, but it was so. I ran the bottling line, I ran the labeler, I ran the packaging line, I pushed glass, uh, I cellared everything of my own. I always cleaned tanks, I did so. I, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I've, there isn't one aspect in this brewery that I haven't touched aside now from the canning line. It's the only thing I haven't worked on, but I've been, I, I'm just proud of the fact that I know every aspect from grain to glass. Um, of this brewery all the way up to now you know I deal with you know with taxes and uh, uh, federal compliance and uh, permits and all that kind of stuff other things uh, but no it's I, I've, I'm just proud that I've got a very rounded education in the entire uh, brewery operation Excellent. That's mine. I'm proud that I work with Jim finally after all these years <laughs> I work with Cheers. Jim baby I love it but to be perfectly honest like uh, for me, I think I've settled home. Like, this is my backyard. It's a brand I know. Like, I, I grew up around here drinking this stuff, so it's where I'm at. It's not going anywhere, and I'm proud to bring it. Like, uh, I go against a lot of guys, a lot of friends in this industry who work for different breweries, and uh, it's not so gravy for them. Whether you're out of town or that, but Ipswich is growing, and um, I love being part of that. So my family, my kids, Ruby and Miles, my wife Kate can see this happening right in front of their eyes in their backyard. And uh, my job's to grow it in Boston and outside, but it's all I want to do, man, is bring the money to the bank. Sounds you good. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. No Thanks problem. for having us on. All right. And if you are looking for something to do today, which is going to be Friday, October 12th, it's going to be the Oktoberfest. So you can dress up, and it's going to be incredible. I'm pretty excited to come. Yeah. I'll be here. Hope to right. see so you there. So that starts at 5. Yes. Outstanding. Cool. cool. All right, gentlemen. Anything else? I think that's, that's it. it. Excellent. That's it. Thank Cheers. You. All right. Thank you so much, TJ and Jim from Ipswich Ale Brewing. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I am so pumped because this place is literally five minutes from my house. And uh, you guys are making incredible, incredible beer. I'm very excited for uh, the Bohemian Raspberry to come out. They gave me a can. 
I'm going to be enjoying that this weekend, and that's going to be our Taste Test Tuesday for this week coming up. So, uh, yeah, and uh, send us a DM. Tell us what you're drinking this weekend. I know up in Massachusetts we're going to be getting some rain, um, and I hope everyone in, like, Florida and that area is doing well uh, with the hurricane that happened. So uh, thoughts are with you guys. And uh, other than that, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Rate and subscribe us. Just look up Brewroots. Share it. Please share. Word of mouth is huge. And uh, we will catch you next week. Cheers and enjoy your weekend.